What is up, everybody? Welcome to week three of the DFS MVP. I'm your host, TG Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com with my co-host, Matt Savoca. This is season, season seven of the DFS MVP, episode number 163. If you're new to the podcast, we are a NFL DFS strategy-based podcast. We cover our favorite values on FanDuel and DraftKings every week. After that, we jump into a theory segment to make you a better DFS player overall, ranging from the macro to the micro. This week, we're going to be talking about how to choose your flex in DFS. If you haven't checked out our other DFS shows, please make sure you're checking those out as well. Uh, Matt and I do a cash review every Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time. That streams exclusively on YouTube. Every Saturday, Matt Harmon of Yahoo Fantasy Sports and I do a Yahoo DFS value podcast that drops on the Yahoo podcast feed as well as the DFS MVP podcast feed. Sunday mornings, Jordan Vanek and I are on the subscriber-only Discord talking GPPs. Our final look at GPPs, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. That is for four for four subscribers only. If you haven't signed up yet, for the DFS subscription, head over to 444, use the promo code DFSMVP, get 10% off. And if you are doing all of your homework already, why don't you roster players on prize picks? You've already done all the work, so turn it into real cash. Simply pick two or more players, decide if they'll go over or under their stat projection. This week, we love Joe Burrow passing yards over, Daniel Jones rushing yards over. That's straight from the 4 for 4 strategy article for Prize Picks. Download the Prize Picks app today. Visit prizepicks.com. If you deposit with the code 4 for 4, that's the number 4, F O R, the number 4, you will get $100 instant deposit bonus match dollar for dollar. Prize Picks is hands down the most fun, fast, and Easy way to play daily fantasy sports. Pricepicks.com. Play today. Matt, welcome to week three, buddy. How you feeling? I'm feeling great. You know, yeah. I just realized I get like two and a half minutes to just chill, listen <laughs> to the prize picks, see how I feel about things. And you yeah. got to do all the legwork to, to bring us in. I'm thrilled to talk about week three. I think this one's a little bit tougher for cash yeah. games specifically, but there's some really good value plays we'll point out in just a moment. Yeah, it's similar to week two in that we have a lot of uh, potential shootouts. We have uh, three games with over-unders of of at least 55. I think one might have moved down to to 54.5. Two other teams outside of those games with projected point totals over 20. So it's going to set up similarly in that uh, we're really going to be targeting players uh, from those games, especially the passing games. Um, But it's a little different because I think the most popular games, um, especially that Chargers Chief game, is on the early slate. So we don't have that like late popular uh, slate uh, like we did last week where you could kind of stack that and have that information. So that's the difference this week. But uh, outside of just the the game theory on that today, we're going to focus on the best values across the slate at every position. So let's jump right into it, starting with quarterbacks. Who are you looking at week one, uh, week three at quarterback? I don't know if you guys have heard of this player. He's been pretty good for the last few weeks, maybe even the last few years. Plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. His name is Patrick Mahomes. And yes, I know there have been other QB1 weeks, and I know TJ is going to get to a player who has rushing upside that exceeds Patrick Mahomes. But when you look at top stack, probabilities and we have these top stack value charts available to our dfs subscribers patrick mahomes essentially breaks this tool and if you just look at straight top stack probabilities if you just average out a two-man stack and a three-man stack and look who the probability of the optimal stack will be patrick mahomes essentially breaks those probability charts he's number two in the two-man stack value number one and number two in the three-man stack value and number one in the four-man stack value So I'm not going to talk about Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, the obvious choices here, but that's just to let you know that getting Patrick Mahomes in your lineup is such a rock-solid play this week. Uh, Yes, if you want to ask yourself, is Kansas City less concentrated offensively? We kind of saw a more uh, uh, distributed target share from Mahomes in Week 2. The best part about wondering if it is concentrated to Hill or Kelsey is just going to Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the typical efficiency has been there this year with Kansas City ranking third in yards per drive. And one thing I will say that kind of lifts the floor for Mahomes is that 
they don't actually uh, hit the top 10 in red zone trips per uh, red zone trips per game because they don't actually need to get <laughs> yeah. to the red zone to score. Yeah. And I think they're going to be in a game environment where the Chargers are keeping pace, so they're going to be passing plenty, and the efficiency for Mahomes is his usual NFL best. Number one in expected points added, number one in player profilers, production premium, and top five in a play action completion percentage, red zone completion percentage, and clean pocket completion percentage. Patrick Mahomes is my favorite play of the week. Yeah, after the the uh, last minute CEH fumble, they might throw 100% of the time. I mean, I, I'm glad you you brought up the, uh, the ancillary players on the Chiefs because – I think that um, in the past we haven't seen those players step up. It's either been uh, Hill or Kelsey, um, and then maybe uh, someone else will will get uh, you know get a touchdown, but not really elevate their game. Uh, we saw Pringle score last week. We saw Robinson score last week, and then we saw uh, with with the um, Ravens really bracketing Tyreek successfully. Uh, we saw Miko get the, that 31% target share, huge air yard share. Uh, so I think, like you said, that only boosts Patrick Mahomes. Like it's, it's a it's a good thing that we're seeing those other players involved. And hopefully, if, if you do just like this offense and you're sick of trying to decide between uh, Kelsey and Hill and, and never really getting a, a third or fourth option to stack, I, I think maybe we'll get to see that now. And, and having some three-man stacks that don't cost you all of your salary when you do uh, roster the Chiefs. So I'm actually excited about what we saw from them last week. Um, my guy at quarterback, I'm going to stay at, at the top tier. And, and we had some discussions pre-show about uh, how easier or tough it is to get to the top tier uh, this week, but Lamar Jackson, 8,400 on FanDuel, 7,800 on DK. He is our, our top value uh, on both sites. He has the highest floor projection, highest ceiling projection. We obviously know what he can do on the ground. He went over uh, 100 yards on the ground last week against the Chiefs, but this is a game where he can have that passing ceiling game. We, we know he has the passing ceiling because he went bonkers in 2019 through the air. Uh, I think his touchdown rate was 9%. Last year he was still above average, touchdown rate near 7%, um, but he hasn't had that passing ceiling game in, in the first two weeks. Detroit's last in yards per pass attempt allowed, and Baltimore has the third highest uh, implied point total, just under 29 points. So I really like getting Lamar in there, um, especially on DK where you can get those bonuses. I know we've kind of briefly mentioned the double DK bonus, on here a couple times again it's super unlikely i think we've only had three in the last three years but like why not give yourself a, a chance to have that and I, I think again the only really three players that have a real option to do that jalen hurts lamar jackson and now cmc's hurt so maybe really only two players that have a, a double bonus in their range of outcomes uh i'm liking Fields. lamar this week uh, yeah yeah, yeah I feel, no. <laughs> this is, no well i was i was just gonna ask you i mean we we're having a tough time getting to the to the expensive guys. Um, well, what are you thinking about? Uh, are you throwing any fields in there? Hey, I'm not uh, saying no to it in cash, especially if it feels like you mm -hmm. can fit a roster full of superstars everywhere else. I'm not yeah, forcing exactly. it at all. But when we talk about what rushing does to quarterbacks, their floor increases because of that rushing and their ceiling increases yep, because of the exactly. rushing. So, um you know, one of the thought experiments I've done this week with Justin Fields is what would the public perception and his projected roster uh, percentage be if he had connected in that deep ball yeah. with Allen Robinson? Mm -hmm. Literally, those highlights would have just been played all over. Yep. And I literally think that one throw is affecting our perception of Fields. Uh, he tore up the preseason from a fantasy perspective. I know we can't weigh that too heavily, but I'll go there. No, I, I mean... Uh... Especially when when the price is right, it's not like um, Jalen Hurts to start the season where he's kind of priced near near the top guys. He's uh, Justin Fields is priced low. Um, he he's in a spot where I mean we saw him pull it down ten times, especially on DraftKings where I mean the salaries are kind of tight everywhere, but way tighter on DraftKings. I, I think it's fine to to do that. Um, going into running backs, we we will have uh, he that decision on Fields might hinge a little bit on Dalvin Cook's status because if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, we're recording this Friday. I um, believe he didn't practice again on Friday, hasn't practiced this week. If he's out, Alexander Madison probably turns into the free square and like the only guy on the slate that gets huge ownership. Um, but but we'll wait and see how that plays out. As far as the 
players that are available. I'll start it off with Joe Mixon, who's 6,700 on FanDuel, 6,300 on DraftKings. 4 for 4 has a player pricing report where we track uh, player salaries versus the previous week and versus the start of the season. Joe Mixon's salary is down $1,100 from last week. He leads the league in touch share with 57% of team touches on the season. He's seen at least 54% of team touches in both games. He's one of four players with at least 20 touches in both of the games this year, and his salary went down. Now, I know he has a perceived touch map. A tough matchup against the Steelers, but you're not you you shouldn't be one of the league leaders in touches and have your salary going down by eleven hundred dollars. So he's affordable on both sides, but that drop in salary is just egregious on Fandle. There, there's no reason for him to be this cheap after two games of crazy usage and that matchup with Pittsburgh. They could be missing up to three players. Uh, on their front seven. Like, I know they're a good defense, but they already declared Alex Highsmith and Carlos Davis out. TJ Watt's still questionable. So if they're missing half of their front seven, the matchup obviously changes a lot. And this is just a light running back week in general. Like, there's there's nobody at the top. We had CMC off the main slate. Uh, we already talked about Dalvin. We don't even know what the hell Alvin Kamara is now with what we saw last week. Um, so, I mean, like, you could you could argue that you could try to jam in Derrick Henry, uh, which, which is probably fine on both sites, but we're really pretty light on reliable running backs, so I don't see how you don't have Joe Mixon in all of your um, player pools this week. Uh, any any thoughts on Mixon, and if not, um, a running back that you're looking at? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree that Mixon doesn't make sense that because of that opportunity share and just the raw opportunities that he's getting in this offense, it really just doesn't make sense that they would lower his salary. I guess it's based on the 2020 perception of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And we're not saying they're a bad defense at all. We already see how they bottled up the Buffalo Bills in week one, but they are trending towards league average and a lot of these metrics mm -hmm. where they dominated last year. And that's not to say they're bad. That's just something that happens for elite defenses the next year after they've been elite in general. We're not saying Pittsburgh has become bad, but with the injury troubles they've been having, it's not something that we can rule out. Joe Mixon is suddenly going to be completely bottled up. Um, and we can expect the offense in Cincinnati to be more concentrated with T. Higgins trending towards yeah. out this week. Really, three skill positions players are going to see a majority of the fantasy production there. Yeah. I really like Austin Eckler. He's my favorite sort of mid-tier play this week. I really, you know, with all of these running backs listed as questionable, I, I do think Derrick Henry's workload, even if it's just on the ground, might be uh, something we can't ignore once we eventually hit Sunday. But I really want to hit on Austin Eckler, the same game environment against the Chiefs. Everyone breathe a sigh of relief. He saw nine targets in week yeah. two. I know we were all concerned after the fact that, you know, he did see a solid touch share, but no targets was definitely something everyone was freaking out about yeah. week one that corrected in a big way in week two against the Cowboys. And he he's kind of right in the opportunity share range that we all really projected to begin the season. Austin Eckler has never been an 80 to 90% opportunity share back. He's always shared it with someone and been efficient on those touches. He's at 66% opportunity share. Uh, I think everyone, who, most people who are projecting would project 67 to 75% to start the year. So he's just fine. Uh, he's one of only, I believe, seven backs with 15 opportunities in back-to-back -back games. And as we already said, he's in an ideal game environment for running backs, particularly pass catchers, when you talk about playing the Kansas City Chiefs on the other side of the ball. We can almost guarantee we're going to have somewhere between 27-plus points on the other side. And there's just so many outs for Austin Eckler. If Kansas City gets up big, they're going to be throwing to the running back with check down plays to move the sticks. If the Chargers surprise people and are either close or ahead, they're running the ball with Austin Eckler. And let's not pretend Kansas City is scaring anyone defensively. They're ranked dead last in the league in yards per carry allowed and 28th in points per play allowed. So it's kind of a perfect storm when you're talking about how reliable the Chiefs offense is. And now you're talking about a 15-touch floor for a high-efficiency player in that game environment. Sign me up for 7K. Yeah, in, in my um, DraftKings cash game write-up, I, I left Austin Eckler out of my player pool um, 
just because I, there there are a lot of ways that game could go in terms of a shootout and heavily using um, uh, Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen. But I, I think I, I always kind of revisit. I always kind of revisit it and. and um, add as I build my, my lineups, which is usually Saturday night, hop in the Discord and let the users know what I'm changing. Um, I, I think because running back is so thin that when I start building, he'll probably end up in my player pool, um, especially after hearing what you have to say about him. And and I, I think people get really lost in just kind of hyperbole and saying 80 or 90% of running back touches. Like there, there just aren't running backs that get that share. The kind of the bell cow or workhorse percentage, if you look at top 10 backs over the last three or four years, that 70% is kind of the cutoff for like a, a top eight, nine, 10 backs. So that's, that's actually a, a fine number to be targeting. Um, and, and just going back to your point about the Steelers, just to, to one more point, I mean, they've played the Bills and the Raiders. Bills, we know they don't use their, their running backs. And the Raiders were without Josh Jacobs, but also just, I mean, Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake, they've just been throwing a ton. So next week, 4 for 4, we'll drop our updated schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed metric that's heavily relying on 2020 data still so it'll be really interesting to see where teams like the Steelers fall when we adjust their current stats for strength of schedule and I think a lot of uh, them will be just kind of middling so uh, keep an eye out for that I'll let you start things off with the receivers I started with running backs Uh, who are you looking at at wide receiver this week yeah I'm going back to the well with DK Metcalf if you watched our Monday cash game review lineup, I got uh, burned with Metcalf's middling score last week. But I'm really not concerned here. And one thing I did notice, and you know, the the player salary tool that we mentioned previously, it goes back just so far this season. But if you look at 2020 salaries as well, DK Metcalf has a multi-week history of being ahead of Lockett in salary. Mm-hmm. And I understand it to start the season. Lockett's had two big games, but let's not pretend that Metcalf isn't heavily, heavily involved in this offense still. He has 32% of the team's weighted opportunity rating. That's the combination of targets and air yards into one uh, metric that uh, weights it based on predictability towards the next week. And Lockett's only at 37% in that same metric. So they're really neck and neck. Um, he hasn't been higher than wide receiver 27 in PPR, and he had 11 targets last week. So you kind of know, based on the opportunity share and just the raw targets from Russell Wilson, that this blow-up game is coming. Mm-hmm. And then you're playing the Minnesota defense that currently ranks 28th in yards per pass attempt allowed and 25th in points per play allowed. So not scaring anyone, it's sort of like that KC defense we were talking yeah. about a minute ago. They have exactly one cornerback in the PFF top 50. Uh, Cam Dantzler's currently at number 23. Uh, and now I will say the advanced metrics like Football Outsiders DVOA and PFF's defensive grades have them closer to league average, but I'm just betting on volume. I'm betting on air yards. I'm betting on game environment, yeah. even if Dalvin Cook doesn't play, and I'm betting on Russell Wilson. Yeah, DK is a guy that kind of fits into my theme of wide receivers, which we'll get to briefly. But, um, I mean, we, we really just need to be focusing on usage. And we talk about it every week or in articles or on podcasts that that's really what should be driving our decisions. And, and when uh, players are mispriced uh, because of that, or, or um, their ownership is off because of that, their, their uh, spots take advantage of, but obviously people aren't or else we wouldn't have that division in, in ownership. Um, so I'll, I'll get to more on, on DK Metcalf and the, the usage of, of him and some other guys. But before we do that, who's, who's the second guy that you're looking at this week? Yeah, I really like Portland Sutton. I just really kind of want a chance to talk about what a great game that he had, even though he didn't see humongous production. The opportunity was astounding for Sutton, especially when we saw him kind of bottled up in week one. Uh, Denver is surprisingly actually number two in the NFL right now in yards per drive, and they're only middle of the pack in points per drive. So we theoretically could actually see a reversion towards the positive in their points scored, which Mm -hmm. would obviously lead to more fantasy production for all their skill players. But, I mean, can we talk about the fact that he had 250-plus air yards in a game? Insane. Insane. That is is the type of potential we always thought Portland Sutton could have. And, you know, it obviously took an injury to Jerry Judy for him to really see that. But he's third in the NFL in targets right now. 
that is nothing to scoff at. PFF has not currently ranked as a top 15 matchup when they look at wide receiver versus overall defenses. And really, the Jets have improved a little bit with Robert Sulla at the helm, but as we kind of expected, they haven't gone from way at the bottom of the league to great all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of average everywhere in yards per carry, yards per pass attempt allowed, points per play allowed, PFF's overall team grades and DVOA, they're all 13th to 17th in the NFL in all those metrics. So uh, I think that Cortland Sutton, with the amount of opportunity, we can just go back there and at sort of a mid-tier salary on both sides, 6,900 on FanDuel and 6,000 on DK, he fits in a lot of different types of builds this week. Yeah, I was I was actually I was rooting for Drew Locke coming into the season, not because I think Drew Locke is a better quarterback than Teddy B or even can be a, a good quarterback, but because I do like. Cortland Sutton a lot and I was thinking that if um, if I'm sorry if, if Bridgewater is in there that Cortland Sutton's not going to be able to take advantage of that skill set being able to get down the field and, and gobbling up those air yards um, I guess Pat Shermer just I, I guess he stepped away and, and came back to the Broncos last year and decided he's going to be a coach that just chucks it downfield because that's what they did last year with Drew Locke, and, and they're letting Teddy uh, rip it a little bit. That's not something that anybody expected to see. So I'm excited Let's about Sullivan. I'm, I'm yeah, excited I mean, no, it. I am too. I, I love it. I, I just didn't think that they were going to let uh, you know our, our guy Teddy Two Gloves do that. But I, I like it a lot, um, and I think there's just going to still be – a ton of opportunity in this offense as a whole. Um, I think w- with Teddy, with Court, Cortland, with Noah Fant, with uh, even Tim Patrick, and then the, the the running backs as well. I think this is just uh, like you said, they're they're an efficient offense in terms of moving the ball, and we just haven't seen it come to fruition on the scoreboard yet. So I think there's just going to be a lot of opportunity targeting the Broncos over the next couple weeks, and maybe just one of those teams throughout the season that people just won't believe it because it is Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, so they're going to – I mean, they were in the, the – the, a Teddy B stack was in the winning Yahoo baller lineup last week. So, I mean, let's let's not uh, write off the, the Broncos. I, I like that call a lot. Um, I'm going to talk about both of my receivers together because I mentioned kind of the theme of this week when you were talking about DK Metcalf, and I, I tweeted about this a couple of nights ago that I'm calling week three like the early season reversion week for wide receivers. We have DK Metcalf and then my two guys, Justin Jefferson and Robert Woods, who are uh, essentially in 1A, 1B situations, and, and I think uh, like DK and Tyler Lockett are like, probably the, the truest 1A, 1A situation. I think everyone expects Justin Jefferson to be the 1A over uh, Adam Thielen. And then Robert Woods looks like he's going to be the 1B behind Cooper Cup. But the point is, all three of these players are in very concentrated passing games. We expected them to be in very concentrated pass games, but their teammates, uh, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyler Lockett, and Adam Thielen have been the early season stars, at least in terms of scoring the touchdown and converting those into fantasy points. So, I mean, looking at, again, high-scoring environments, we have uh, Seattle and Minnesota, like you mentioned. I'm over on the the Minnesota side looking at Justin Jefferson and then Robert Woods in a matchup against Tampa Bay with the highest over-under of the week where both offenses have been insanely insanely efficient through the air. Uh, They're just really great guys to target where everybody's looking at their teammates who have been scoring uh, a ton of points. So if we look at Jefferson and Thielen, a 47% uh, combined target share. They've combined for two-thirds of the air yards, but it's Jefferson that ranks sixth in the league in his air yard share. Jefferson's wide receiver 29, Thielen's wide receiver four. I think that starts to converge. It's a spot where, I mean, obviously we know Jefferson could be a top 10 receiver. Um, I I don't know if Thielen could keep maintaining this crazy touchdown efficiency, um, but I definitely think their fantasy points converge. And then Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I think a lot of people aren't going to notice that aren't looking at, at advanced metrics or, or usage metrics and just looking at fantasy points. They saw Cup score twice last week, not realizing Woods only had two fewer targets and actually had more air yards. Uh, Woods, two fewer targets, still saw 31% of the target share. So with Woods $1,100 cheaper on DraftKings, $800 cheaper on FanDuel, uh, it's a spot that I really like against a Tampa Bay defense that 
we saw them play a very good pass game in week one and a very concentrated passing game in week one. And both Amari and CD Lamb both went over 100 yards there. So looking at Woods, looking at Jefferson, looking at your guy, DK Metcalf, all guys that just have the usage to blow up, have the skills to blow up, have the quarterback and offense to blow up this week, the game environment to blow up. So I'm, I'm, I'm just loving all three spots for those guys. Um, any last thoughts on wide receiver? Yeah, I'm not worried about Woods or Jefferson's production overall. But I do think we have to at least talk about K.J. Osborne at this point. Yeah. Like it may just be yeah. noise. I get it. It's been two games. But he's essentially the same weighted opportunity rating as Thielen. So essentially the only thing saving Thielen at this point is those touchdowns. And, I mean, what can you say? Some people are just really good at scoring. Thielen has essentially mm-hmm. proved that at this point. But Jefferson's weighted opportunity still the highest on the team by far. No concerns there. And I do want to say, I want to get on record saying, I think Cooper Cup has wide receiver one overall potential this year. Yeah, but I mean. Th- I just want to say Woods is not out. No. Woods is still a rock solid play week after week. Yeah, and and I mean, it's not like Woods is a guy that that's going to, they're just going to run these short patterns too. He had a higher average depth of target uh, than Cup last week, and he could get behind the defense just as well. So, I, again, I, I just think uh, points start to converge, um, and and I'm targeting all of those guys this week. Moving on to tight ends, um, Mark Andrews, another guy who in the past we've seen his opportunity be very high. He's been one of the highest uh, – target share tight ends in the league over the last couple of years. And we haven't seen huge opportunity on him yet, but five targets in each of the first two games. And, and I think we should suspect that he is eventually going to leap Sammy Watkins in terms of, of target share. Sure. Sammy's been good, especially in week one, but I just don't see a situation where he is the number two ahead of Mark Andrews. We've seen how great of a scoring combination Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson are together. And I already talked about all of the upside of this offense when I was discussing um, Lamar Jackson, but going back to the salary, we see Mark Andrews salary is down $300 this season on DraftKings. Um, it's down. If we look at last week, their full, the full slate, like the Sunday to Monday slate, his salary is down $900 from that uh, salary. So, I think he's still mispriced uh, 6,000 uh, FanDuel, 5,000 DraftKings. If he had scored a, a, a touchdown in like last week or, or the week before, he's probably pi- pressed up another 500 bucks, if not 1,000 in this spot against a really bad Lions defense. Um, the Lions have allowed 78 yards or a touchdown in each of the first two games to tight end. So I'm – if I'm pairing somebody with Lamar, I'm starting with Mark Andrews. Obviously, if you're running tournaments or something, you can uh, you can use all three of those guys, Watkins, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews. Uh, but Mark Andrews, uh, top four value on, on both FanDuel and DraftKings, according to, to four for four values. And and speaking of the weighted opportunity, before we get on to, to your um, tight end, who's had a ton of opportunity, uh, you could find a lot of those weighted opportunity metrics if you look at Sam Hoppin's Hoppin to Conclusions article on 4 for 4 that's a free article that covers usage uh team usage uh positional usage and covers that weighted opportunity that matt's been discussing but uh matt who are you looking at uh at tight end maybe in the same game as my guy yes sir same game environment i'm looking at tj hawkinson and yes weighted opportunity now we should mention that it uses target share and air yards share to create one metric and both of those are team-related metrics. So it's your share of the team's targets and air yards. So if you're a team like the Ravens, for example, that is low volume, your weighted opportunity could be higher, but the raw volume might be lower. Now, I was suspecting that that would be the case for Detroit, but so far, they've been in two shootouts where they've gone well over the Vegas expected total in both their games, and that's really just a testament to their offense being better than expected so far and it really has to do with hawkinson second in weighted opportunity but also number two in expected fantasy points and that's comparing it to the rest of the league's expectation and so that that gets one level more impressive and one thing i also was noticing that his efficiency yes he's been efficient on top of that high expected fantasy points value but he's been sustainably efficient at 3.8 fantasy points over expected per game so far, 
unlike other players in that same expected fantasy points range, like Gronk, who's at over eight fantasy points over expected, or Kelsey, who we expect to be higher, but he's over at 10 fantasy points over expected per game. That is going to come down. With Hawkinson, we can kind of suspect it will be similar the rest of the year. And with the Detroit defense being legendarily bad this season, no cornerbacks uh, really at all. Number 32 in passer rating allowed by a mile. 32nd in yards per pass attempt allowed. 32nd in points per play allowed. Uh, You get the point. It's going to be a lot of shootouts this year. Uh, He is the lowest salary player on both sites with a floor of four points or higher, which Mm. is tough to do with the tight end. And, uh, you know, what I was really surprised about is that his projected ownership is actually coming in kind of low. I guess it's because Kelsey and Waller are both on the slate. And I think you could be contrarian with a pretty easy layup play here. Yeah, it makes sense because I I think if if Lamar doesn't end up being one of the the more uh, popular quarterbacks, naturally it's going to drive Andrew's ownership up. Um, I mean, I I think people – will want to bring back Hawkinson with Lamar there. But if you are already using a tight end slot, it's going to be pretty hard to do. Um, So just mathematically, it's going to be tough for Hawk to be super chalky. Like, I mean, he's, I I think if I remember correctly, he's projected like five to 10%. We, if it says seven and a half on four for four, we we project in ranges. So that really means five to 10%. So maybe he could come in the nine, 10% range, but um, I don't think he even sniffs something like 15% with the way, just the way um, the slate is built out this weekend. And you, you talked about how weighted opportunity is calculated and, Sure, you might see some some players like like a Mark Andrews, even though his weighted opportunity is a little bit down through two weeks. Um, with the 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 high weighted opportunity and low raw raw volume, but that's why we want to look at things like weighted opportunity because when there are scenarios where a team that doesn't throw a ton, like the Ravens, are in a spot where it's a potential shootout against a Detroit team that is really bad. We care about weighted opportunity because that's when the the five or six targets turn into ten or eleven targets. Um, so that's that's why that metric is insanely important to to be cognizant of. Uh, let's let's look take a look at the last position in defense, and, and I'll let you start this one off. Yeah, we're not going to get crazy here. We're going to target <laughs> situations where uh, the offense doesn't look like they're going to have their starting quarterback. But I'm going to go ahead and look at the Raiders here, and I think the big story with their defense. We're not talking about them being a, a world-beating defense so far. But they have had an emergence of a really solid pass rush, and that really matters for helping you not just create turnovers, but win football games. And we do want winning defenses. And so we're not reinventing the wheel when picking here. Home favorites versus a backup quarterback. And at 4000 on FanDuel, 3400 on DK, we, the price is right. Now, I will say they're just league average in PFF's coverage grade, in Football Outsiders DVOA, points per play. And we'll likely see them get more popular, especially if Carson Wentz gets his way onto the field and so the Titans' defense becomes less of a free square. But mm-hmm. Miami, their offense, even with Tua Tagovailoa, wasn't scaring anyone. Bottom 12 in yards per drive so far this season and in points per drive. And they're 32nd, dead last in points per play. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of you kind of tease what I'm looking at with um if Wentz doesn't play, then the free square at least on DraftKings is going to be the Titans against the Colts. Um on FanDuel they they're priced up a little probably I guess appropriately for just the spread. I, I don't know if if uh this had to do with Wentz possibly being out. Uh, but the Titans are favored by five at 2,400 on DK. So this is like kind of a slam dunk play on DraftKings, especially in cash. If Carson Wentz is out, uh, even even if he does play, the Colts are bottom 10 in adjusted sack rate allowed. And that is a quarterback stat. Like Wentz just hasn't been able to avoid sacks. Like, good quarterbacks can overcome pressure and get rid of the ball quickly. And Wentz just isn't able to do that. Uh, and then as and bad as the hurt ankles, he can't, yeah, he can't scramble. How do you hurt both ankles? How old and fragile are you? Um, he's not even old. I guess he's just fragile. 
but as bad as the Titans have been on defense in, in terms of giving up yardage and points, they're still top 10 in adjusted sack rate allowed. So they have been able to get pressure on the quarterbacks. And then obviously if Wentz is out, we're going to get, I, I guess Brett Hundley took the majority of, um, of starter snaps on, on, Thursday on Friday, Carson Wentz returned to practice limited, but he's not um, for sure going to play. They're talking about having some combination of Jacob Beeson and Brett Hundley. Um, if we look at Hundley's statistics, he uh, since coming in, into the league of passers with 300 pass attempts, he's bottom 10 in sack rate allowed. I know it's basically just a, a one-season um, one sample. Um, when he was playing playing for the Packers, but still, it's it's indicative of a quarterback that didn't do very well when he had the opportunity. So um, the Titans, especially on DraftKings, I'm looking to them. Even if if Wentz does play, I think it's a pretty good spot on DraftKings because they are such big favorites. Um, any any last thoughts on the value of this slate, Matt? Yeah, I think it could be another wide receiver in the flex week, even in. Mm. Uh, even in FanDuel, just because of the number of running back plays we don't have that look just really easy. Now, the Dalvin Cook news maybe changes some things, um, but in general here, uh, especially when we go with the the easy the easier plays, like the quarterbacks and the defenses, we just want to n- go with what works, home favorites, yeah. especially against backups. Yeah, we're, we're going to have some more thoughts um, about that wide receiver in, in the flex idea, um, especially on FanDuel when we get to our theory segment. Uh, but if you are new to FanDuel, then your day is about to get 20% better. Start playing fantasy football this season on FanDuel, and you will get 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500 by going to FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is make your first deposit They have some of the best contest structures in the industry. We talk a lot about the higher stakes GPPs, um, but all of they they have a ton of single entry contests, three max contests, five max contests that are some of the best uh, structures in the industry. You could check out my Twitter or our Discord for a breakdown of those structures. And if you don't want to play those, a ton of different game types. They have the main slate, they have the single game slates, best ball, snake draft. You can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand this week. We always talk about the Sunday Million. I cover what's working in the Sunday Million every week in the GPP review on 444. We've talked about some players that we love this week, like TJ Hawkinson and Robert Woods. And if you sign up today at fanduelcom slash DFSVP, you can play, claim your bonus and start playing today. That's fanduelcom slash DFSMVP. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days Matt, let's get into the talk of choosing a flex, which is our theory segment today, how to choose your flex in DFS. Uh, We're going to look at a little bit of cash, a little bit of GPPs. Um, I think it's a spot that I don't know how much people are really putting a ton of thought into who's going into their flex. I think they're – Anybody that's played a, a decent amount of DFS probably has an idea that it makes sense to play running backs in your flex because it gives your lineup the highest floor. But I still see a ton of lineups uh, with a wide receiver in the flex in, in cash games um, in weeks where it's not appropriate. And it's it's kind of – it's rarely appropriate, but I see it quite a bit. Uh, and then in GPPs, I think a lot of people just kind of – figure out what their player pool is, maybe throw it out into a lineup generator. And and however uh, the chips fall, that's kind of just what they go with. Um, I I think they're picking their favorite and if they can have as many of their favorite players in their lineup or the best players of that week, then it doesn't matter if it's a running back or a wide receiver. They they just go with that, not thinking about the slate, thinking about the game type, thinking about the size of the game. So we're going to jump into that a little bit. Um, Before we do, I, I think, using the the flex and understanding how to implement the flex in different types of of games and different types of structures is probably the number one reason um, to just not blindly hit optimize on a lineup generator. Um, Most lineup generators, whether you're at four for four or somewhere else have um, a lot of setting and rules, uh, whether it be to to lock a position into your flex or or stacking rules or or setting floor and ceiling projections. If you just blindly hit optimize on, on um, 
whatever lineup generator you're using, it doesn't know what type of game you're playing. And, and it's just giving you a mathematical output to what the most quote unquote optimal score is based on a medium projection that isn't factoring in range of outcomes. And there's no line. Well, I'm sure there's one that can be built, but there's no lineup generator that I know of that's uh, factoring in range of outcomes in relation to the games you're playing. So um, let's just kind of jump into it. What are kind of your, your general thoughts on the flex? I guess we can start with like um, with the scoring system. That's probably the, the most obvious one when we're talking about difference between FanDuel and DraftKings um, or just any general thoughts you have about flex before we jump into some of the more granular uh, analysis on it. Yeah, you hit on it, but I'll emphasize it once again. The thing that matters most, even I think more than the scoring platform, is the contest. Contest selection outweighs everything else in this conversation for me. And that really is, you know, it is week week dependent and game, game scenario specific. And it also is late swap specific. But ultimately, the most important factor is... What, what we've been talking about previously. So, you know, in general, in cash games on FanDuel, mm-hmm. I want to re- play a running back. Yeah. And it's usually available to us in some form or fashion. Even this week, we have value running backs in that mid-tier salary range where the touch projection is really solid. Um, and we'll just put them in there for a floor play. One thing I will say, and, you know, maybe I'll put this out into the universe, is I'd love to see a, pro, uh, a, a generator, an optimizer, with the ability to lock in the floor projection for some of my players and then just run the median projection for the rest of the players. Because really what we need to think about is the contest we're playing and how much we care about floor versus ceiling. Mm -hmm. And then we can start to make an educated decision from the player pool that we've already selected. Okay, what are the best values that fit here? But you know, that's by far the heaviest weighted thing, contest selection. And then we're going to the granular player selection from there. You just added about 100 hours of work with uh, with the dev team for me uh, throughout the season to, to get that done. So I'll, I'll start working on that right now. Um, uh, I mean, hey, I got to put it out there, right? <laughs> you, when you're um, you, you talked about that Fanduel and, and the scoring system and how that we usually will just kind of slap a running back in there because of, of the scoring. It, it makes sense half PPR. You're just not going to be able to get the floor from a wide receiver if they aren't getting full points um, for reception. But also, FanDuel's pricing just usually works so that it's easier to fit. Like the, the running backs that are getting the most volume are usually the highest salary running backs, or at least they're in that mid-tier. Uh, and when salaries are loose, it's relatively easy to get three of those guys into your lineup. So it's not just the scoring system um, on FanDuel, but the, the the salaries allow you to do it relatively easy. We're on DraftKings. Um, I think it should still be the dominant strategy. And we're just going to kind of talk about cash games from a value perspective here. But you're more so um, kind of looking for some value with the, the, the dual threat running backs on DraftKings, uh, the, basically the pass catchers. They're going to offset game script uh, concerns, whereas on FanDuel we're really focusing on uh, obviously the volume, but touchdowns and scoring opportunity, which basically comes from game script, is weighted heavier um, on FanDuel. You talked about some situations where you might use a wide receiver in the flex, and I think that kind of relates. We talked about it briefly last week, and this is kind of the impetus for the idea for this theory segment um, this week because I've been guilty of just, and I was last week, just blindly throwing a a running back into my flex and cash games you were very successful in cash games even on FanDuel, um using a wide receiver in the flex which i just didn't even think about doing and probably should have and a lot of that came down to the size of the player pools available and and reliable floor players available last week and, and it was heavily weighted towards <clears throat> wide receivers so what are your what are your thoughts on on when to stray from running back in the cash games and how that relates to the size of your player pools um, just in general. Yeah, I think it comes down to a metric we've mentioned a couple times already this season. It's salary per projected touch. And sometimes you see wide receivers pop up into this range and suddenly you're like, well, okay, just based on value 
the same value rankings that we're ranking everyone else, this is viable. And so, especially when you're talking about players who traditionally, I say traditionally because there can be certain caveats with Cooper Cup uh, or someone like that or Keenan Allen, these typical target monsters that, you know, the start of 2021 notwithstanding, they have the floor similar to a running back in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then when you add the added game theory of the fact that, especially last week, there were so many late swap options. If it felt like the early parts of my cash lineups had really flopped, I could swap to other things. Then it became a really easy game for me. Now, it's not always going to work that way. And there are no hard and fast rules. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, we're just looking for easy projected opportunities and if the salary dictates that easy wide receiver opportunities are much cheaper then i'll go there yeah we talked about it in our um in our cash game review on monday if, if you're watching this and missed that i mean there was a it, it was really when i in retrospect everything i guess i guess uh it's it's always 2020 but my player pool on DraftKings was extremely small for running backs and, and half of that player pool were expensive running backs that were really hard to get to just because of, of what salaries dictated. And my wide receiver pool is massive. So obviously I had way more usable wide receivers and just, just kind of went with the, the lazy rule of thumb um, and, and it didn't work. And, and another thing, and this is again, a little more DraftKings specific but you kind of need options for a true uh, – if you're going to have three running backs uh, in cash games on DraftKings, you often need a, a real studs and duds approach because those reliable running backs, even if they are like uh, somebody uh, – a mid-tier running who you're relying on his, his uh, receiving ability, they're often still high 5K. So to get that guy with two other relatively expensive running backs on DraftKings – you need cheap pass catchers that you could somewhat count on. We didn't have that in week two, and, and we, we don't have that in week three. So, again, I, I think this is just kind of a, a weird two-week um, back-to-back scenario where we can quickly use the lessons that we learned last week again this week. And I, I, I'd be surprised if it pops up very often again, but um, it's good that we get to double down on this lesson because it's really important one that, that – uh, I think a lot of people don't take the time to think about if they are playing a ton of, a ton of cash games. Um, how are you thinking about your flex position and, and, and the size of the contest? Because, again, I think some people will see GPP, and if, if they do typically, if, if they have, um, if they're on one side of, of the spectrum or the other in terms of what they usually use, I think they might just stick to that. But I, I think there should be some variance in your approach um, based on the size, especially if the contest is smaller. So what are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. And yeah. So as we transition from cash to GPP, one thing I will say is now at this point, let expected roster percentage start to guide your thinking because the more we move from cash to GPP, the more we start to have to involve what the rest of the field is thinking. And one thing I will say about adding a wide receiver to your flex position, especially on a half PPR site like FanDuel, it's much easier when you're getting to high salary chalk plays because then basically the rest of the public is telling you you're not alone in getting there. So then when we get to GPPs, I hate to say that a lot of the stats when we look at like millionaire makers is there, I worry that there's a little bit of noise there is my conclusion. And I think that it is really player and week specific. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, especially in GPPs, what I'm really focused on is the overall, the cumulative roster percentage of Mm -hmm. my roster. So I don't really boil that down to just the flex. Now, if I find that I'm super chalky at the rest of my roster positions, then I know I'm going to need to differentiate a significant amount. And the larger the field gets, the more I'm going to need to differentiate with that one pick. But to be honest with you, TJ, most of the time, my differentiation comes from multiple players. So I'm not just thinking about the flex. Yeah, I will say that the one scenario where, where especially on, on FanDuel, but but even so on DraftKings, when we have a free square running back, um, like a, an injury that pops up out of nowhere and a guy that's going to be thrust into a starting role near a min salary, that obviously just makes it way easier to play three running backs. And I, I think 
in those scenarios, a three running back build is, is going to give you not just the highest floor, but the highest ceiling as well, because you're getting potentially 20 touches for a minimum salary. Um, and then it makes it pretty easy to get two more 20 touch guys there. I want you to comment on one thing that I think is very obvious to us, but a lot of people forget about. Um, you should use your flex with the player that is playing the latest and the most expensive player playing the latest. Can you explain why? It's all about how your early games did. So yeah. when you get more information and you know how the rest of the field has responded to the early games and how they are doing with their own scores, you have to make new choices. And if mm -hmm. you didn't leave that choice available to yourself, yeah. you're, you're SOL. You just yep. are out of luck there. And so we need to give ourselves give ourselves as much optionality as possible. And so yep. always get those afternoon players in the flex. Yeah, it's it's about having the, the maximum options, maximum flexibility, uh, no pun intended with the flex discussion, for late swap. Um, if you have two players, if, if you remember to put afternoon players in there, but one of them is a $5,000 player, one of them is an $8,000 player, and you decide you need to do a late swap, your $5,000 player limits your options, and then um, hopefully there are other players uh in your lineup that are in the late time slot. But if there aren't, um, it really screws you because you might not be able to switch to like a contrarian expensive running back or something. So you want to be able to switch to as many players as possible um, when you are looking to have late swap. And the best way to do that is to have the latest, most, most expensive player in your flex. No matter what, even if you think there's no way you're going to need late swap, just do it. Um, I'm going to rattle off some, some data from – trends we've seen um, in winning millionaire and Sunday million lineups before I go on this tear of stats. Is After there anything? I it, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think the context that you give it is important just to, to have an idea of, of, of what has worked and then going into it, knowing that these things are very week specific. Um, but I, I think what I'm going to highlight here is more the difference between DraftKings and FanDuel of what we've seen. But but any quick thoughts on GPPs before I get into these? Yeah, it, really the, my conclusion is that it is a bigger discussion than the flex, but if you're differentiating only with the flex, you have to worry about the contest size. And that it's a large field, that's where you're getting weird. Yeah, uh, that... that the the large field point is where we're getting weird and and the large fields are what i'm going to to look at here i'm going to look at flex trends um from the DraftKings millionaire and the FanDuel sunday billion and, and I'm, I'm gonna rattle these off pretty quickly if you're listening or um or watching uh don't worry about taking notes you could go to four for four and look at the uh dfs um playbook and all of this data is listed in the running back wide receiver and tight end articles those are free on four for four um but basically what we've seen in DraftKings is we've seen some pretty big variance from year to year um last year we only saw four running backs in winning millionaire lineups in 2019 we saw 11 running backs in winning lineups in 2018 it was about a 50 50 split between running backs and wide receivers so far this year we've seen two wide receivers i think the important thing to note is that there have been huge ebbs and flows uh, within the seasons. Uh, 2019 was just a crazy running back year um, in terms of running backs dominating the position. 2020, a lot of the top running backs um, got hurt or just didn't have good years. I think this probably normalizes to because DraftKings is full PPR that it should really be week dependent. And if you're not sure and you're building your, um, say, 150 lineups that in a week where there isn't something obvious, the thing that probably makes most sense is to set your lineup generator so that you have an even split between um, running backs and wide receivers. The one thing that I will note is that the third running back or uh, the fourth wide receiver is where players have been very contrarian and have paid down uh, at both positions, which makes sense. I mean, if you're using your third one, like we're, we very rarely see super chalky or super expensive players at either position across the board. Um, That's what we I, mean by getting weird. Right, exactly, exactly. O over the last two years, um, there have only been four millionaire winners uh, that have used three running backs with a salary of at least $5,000. Only 
or three backs with ownership above 10%. We've only seen that four times over the past two years. And then when flexing a wide receiver um, in winning lineups, millionaire winners have spent on average about $4,100 with an ownership of just 4%. So that fourth wide receiver is often very cheap and also a contrarian play um, or, or, or both. Um, we've seen just two winners over the last two years spend at least $5,000 on all four of receivers. Only four winners have had four receivers um, with ownership over 10%. Um, if we move over to FanDuel, I think the when, when you think about the things we talked about with the structure and um, with both the salary and, and the, the point projections, running back is a little more prevalent. We've seen over 60% of Sunday Million winners use a running back in the flex over the last two years. Now, going back to 2018 – we saw almost exclusive running backs uh, in winning million Sunday million lineups. That was the first year FanDuel had a flex. Before that, they had a kicker. I think what happened was it was new. It was the first year that a major half PPR site had a flex. And I think just basically everybody was using a running back without even thinking about it. I think sharp players realized that, saw the advantage of using a wide receiver just from an ownership perspective, and we saw things slightly shift. I still think that, again, if, if it isn't obvious in a week, I would say probably something like two-thirds of your tournament lineups um, having a running back in a single week with the other third having a wide receiver makes sense. Again, if it's not super obvious um, in a given week, and, and, and like we saw on DraftKings, the third running back or the fourth wide receiver is where – teams typically pay down or get contrarian in tournaments um, running backs in the flex of average salary around six thousand dollars in winning sunday billion lineups with an ownership uh, slightly below eight uh, percent when they used a wide receiver in the flex they spent about fifty five hundred dollars compared to six thousand dollars on running backs so they're typically spending less on their fourth wide receiver than they are on their third running back and they've been more contrarian with their fourth wide receiver an average ownership of about six percent um, I have one more quick thought on something we didn't talk about, flexing a tight end, but um, anything on running back or wide receiver before I get to that note? Yeah, I think we should also point out that looking at prospects or rookies that have seen increased opportunity is a great way to get mm. a player who, and we've talked about this before, who might be on the way to having a much higher salary than they currently do. And, you know, we can look for high draft picks that we were drafting at the end of our best ball drafts for clues there. But then we can also see just opportunity as the season progresses yeah. and try to guess those breakout games there for players. We know where that opportunity is coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like you said, with, with rookies that haven't popped yet, probably one of the best opportunities there to do that. Uh, we didn't talk about tight ends. I, I don't think there are in cash. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a scenario where we're, we're flexing a tight end. In tournaments, we've had 67 millionaire and Sunday million lineups before before um, this season, going into this season. 67 millionaire and Sunday million lineups played over the last two years. Only three winners have used a tight end in the flex. And it seems like something that we can't predict because the sample size is so low. The combination, we've seen two cheap contrarian options work. We've seen two high-priced studs work. We've seen one stud with one scrub in those three combos. Uh, the thing that I notice about these three teams is that when tournament winners have used a tight end in the flex or when we've seen it be successful, like a top 10 lineup, these tight ends have um, been stacked. Both tight ends have been stacked somewhere else in the lineup. So like a tight end with his primary quarterback and then a tight end with a mini correlation elsewhere. So you're using a tight end to add correlation to your lineup. Um, and the two tight ends have also, one of them has been used to either offset the other tight end's very high ownership or to offset their quarterback or another player in the same game's high ownership. So they're stacking their tight ends when they do flex it, or they're using the tight end to offset a high-owned stack or a high-owned tight end elsewhere. So just an interesting note if you're like in a conundrum and, and you have a, a high-price chalky Kelsey and you can't seem to uh, – to figure out who to put in your flex. I guess maybe 
I don't know, one out of your 150 lineups or two out of your 150 lineups, you could throw a, um, a tight end there. But I, I don't think it's a strategy that you should be putting a ton of thought into. Uh, do you ever put a tight end in your flex in any format? Yeah, I think you, you said the main two reasons I would do it. It would be high ceiling and high leverage. And high so leverage. those two combinations can really, you know, can often be utilized at any position so why not at tight end? Does it happen very often? No. If I'm going to tight, use a tight end in the flex, it's probably going to be to get up to an absolute stud in a perfect matchup. And yeah. then I'm figuring out the actual tight end from there. Because we've seen, especially Kelsey and Waller at this point, they're not just the tight end one, they're the wide receiver two or three. So yeah. if I'm getting any sort of salary discount by going there, I don't care if it's in the flex. Yeah, not coincidentally, and I swear Matt didn't know this, two of those three winners um, that flex a tight end, they use Kelsey and Waller. Um, so uh, there you go. That makes a ton of sense. Um, all right, that, that does it for the Week 3 DFS MVP. Uh, a lot of good stuff in there. If you uh, enjoyed it, you can uh, check it out on YouTube. If, if you miss it on YouTube uh, every week at the same time, it does hit – podcast on all major podcast networks please rate and review on itunes if you're listening to it if you're watching us please like and subscribe to the 444 channel if you're looking for another way to get a dfs subscription on 444 head over to 444.com slash prize picks you could get one for as little as 20 dollars if you're a new prize pick user again don't forget about our other shows matt and i are back here mondays 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time to review our cash game lineups that's only streaming live on youtube Saturday Saturdays, myself with Matt Harmon from Yahoo going over Yahoo Values. That is podcast only. That drops every Saturday on both uh, feeds, the Yahoo and the DFS MVP feed. Sunday mornings, DFS GPP last look with myself and Jordan Vanek. That is for 4 for 4 subscribers on our Discord channel, 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure you're following us on Twitter. 4 for 4 is at 4 for 4 football. Matt's at Draftaholic. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will see you guys in week four.